Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name is Tom Rabbit and thank you so much for joining me for this particular podcast. Now, just in time for Australia Day and in time for when people are thinking about national anniversaries and and some such and possibly going to the beach if it's not that rainy, uh, we've got a new proposal for a republic that just landed from the Australian Republican movement. Now, it's been some time since we've had a tangible proposal for people to look at in the public domain and rip apart. Now, in general terms, they've looked at how you nominate a president, how you elect a president, what the president needs to be doing and what sort of accountabilities ought to be in place. And joining me is uh, Sandy Byers from the Australian Republican Movement, and he'll walk us through what the proposal actually is and what sort of reception it's got. Sandy, thank you for joining me. Thanks very much for having me on the show, Tom. It's great to now, be here. Uh, before we dive into this uh, proposal, which has stirred a few people up, including the former Prime Minister Paul Keating, although there are very few things that failed us to Mr Keating up. Um, for those people that don't know your background, what would your what would your CV look like if you had to sum it up on the back of an envelope? Sure. Yeah. Look, my background is in political campaigning on elections and uh, and working as a political as a political advisor. And um, I joined the ARM a few years back um, and became its CEO uh, roughly two years ago. And um, I originally grew up in Adelaide. Um, it was a fantastic place to grow up. Uh, now living in in the Blue Mountains um, in New South Wales. Um, so. It's um, been a great time over the last 24 months, you know, getting out and about around the country and speaking to people as much as we can in these COVID times uh, to uh, you know, get to this point of being able to launch a model and something that is going to have broad appeal. I think before we get to the model of it, it, it uh, just on that, in how much the travel have you been able to actually do? Whereas most of the but most of the conversations being had via Zoom and, and Microsoft Teams or whatever. It's been a bit of both um, as we, we have teams right across the country as well. So um, where we can't get out in person to speak to people, then we have okay. our representatives on the national committee um, to be able to have those conversations with us. But yeah, look, a lot of the conversations have had to happen uh, via Zoom um, because of the lockdowns, because of the pandemic and, and all the challenges that that brings. Um, but we've managed to get out and speak to 10,000, more than 10,000 um, Australians over the last 24 months and get their views on what they'd like to see in all of this. So it's been a really robust um, process. And, and that's also included some nationally representative polls as well to make sure that we're getting a really good read on what the Australian public want. Okay, let's look at the proposals because I think it's interesting before we analyse something to actually know what it says, right? Uh, what are the key elements of what the ARM has proposed on this occasion? So we're calling it the Australian Choice Model. And what that proposes is that Australia's parliaments right across the country, state, territory and federal, would nominate a short list of candidates, which would then be put to a national ballot. And this would replace the roles of the British king or queen, um, which, of course, we have no say of over who they are. And it was also replaced the role of the Governor General, who's the Queen's representative to Australia and who's uh, chosen by the Prime Minister of Australia. 
So that's it in a nutshell. But um, look, uh, to get into a bit more detail around that, exactly what we're proposing is that each state and territory would nominate a candidate for head of state. The federal parliament would nominate up to three candidates. And um, then it would go to a compulsory full preferential vote. So we would elect them in the same way that we elect uh, members of the House of Representatives. And, um, and that would give all Australians a genuine choice among a really robust selection of Australia's most respected and trusted citizens from across the country so that we can have a head of state chosen by Australians. Okay, let's start with nomination. Um, federal, state and territory parliaments nominate. How would they nominate the candidates? Because this is... This is the interesting bit. You can see you can see the sort of the logic. You know, the parliament parliament is a representative mechanism, nominating a candidate to be elected. How does a parliament, for example, the Victorian Parliament, get to a point where they pick an individual? Yeah, very good question. And and so we've deliberately left it up to each parliament, state. Territory assemblies, the federal parliament, to come up with their own means for developing the the best list, um, they're, they're developing their nomination and, and putting that forward. It has to be endorsed by the parliament. It can't simply be endorsed by, for instance, the premier or the government of the day in each of those jurisdictions. It has to be endorsed by the parliament. And so, some parliaments, for instance, would adopt a bipartisan uh, appointment process to get to their nomination, where it needs a certain threshold in the parliament for that nomination to be endorsed by that parliament. Other parliaments, for instance, might like to use a National Australia Day Council type approach where you can take in public nominations um, for an independent panel to then work through those nominations and consider who might be you know, the best nominee. So we think this is going to result in a really democratic, um, robust way um, to nominate candidates. And what we'll see over time is some democratic innovation so that as each parliament looks at how the other parliaments are doing their nominations, we'll see a more robust way to bring forward the best list possible of Australian candidates from across the country, because it'll be in every parliament's interest to put forward a candidate that has the best prospect of being elected. And that person will need to have broad appeal right across the Australian community. Well, uh, it occurs to me that one possible model for selecting a nominee at state level or territory level is the the use of uh, the, the local electoral commission for a kind of another uh, uh, a preliminary electoral process based on a, people that have been selected by some means. Uh, is that something you'd be encouraging that, that people would end up having multiple multiple cracks at the cherry from a state level or and a Commonwealth level? Or, or, well, that could be one way to do that. For instance, say um, a state may want to have some sort of preliminary preliminary ballot you know, where the state nominates its um, preferred candidate um, for head of state. And then that is then endorsed by the parliament of that state and put forward as a candidate for that national election. We're leaving it up to each state and territory and the federal parliaments to come up with their own means of, of coming up with that list. And look, if a state or territory wanted to go down that path, then they'd be able to do that. 
there is at times a virtue in consistency and comparability of process. Um, have you struck any concerns with the nomination process specifically that relate to the potential for an inconsistent method of selecting a nominee at state or territory level? Well, ultimately, the national ballot will be a consistent national process for choosing our head of state. But I think to get to that point of having a really robust set of representative candidates, we should make use of you know, the benefits of having the federation. And that means that there can be some really good democratic innovation. We can see uh, competitive federalism at its best um, to bring forward our best and brightest um, as candidates. And um, so rather than locking all the states and territories and federal parliament into one particular process for nominating their candidates, which um, you know, may not be as, uh, it, it may be the lowest common denominator, for instance, in the first instance doing that, how about we allow some innovation so that we can get to the most democratic and participatory you know, process possible so we can have a really uh, robust nomination process right across the country and they can learn from each other in the way they do that. Okay. Um... I get the notion of contest of ideas. Uh, I, know, I think you know, the, the kind of a democratic joust makes it good viewing uh, for those watching the process. But the, would there be any concern on your part if the individual processes were seen to be better or lesser than the other and the candidate resulting from a particular process, not being treated the same way by constituents um, when you get to a national ballot? Well, this is where it is really in the interest of every parliament uh, and assembly around the country to make sure that they've got a really good nomination process in place. If a, you know, for instance, if there was an overly partisan process in one particular state where the government, for instance, just tried to use its numbers to um, in the parliament to ram its candidate through, then that's not going to bode well for that candidate at a national level. So what we uh, think that our model will deliver is, is a much more um, competitive, robust process where, where we incentivize the best possible candidates being put forward. Reflecting on what we've just spoken about, um, would would it be preferable for you, notwithstanding that each state is a separate sovereign entity <laughs> um, and it has its own way of doing things, uh, would consistency of method ultimately help you know, the end result? Our view is that it wouldn't necessarily, that um, unless... That we, that we should allow innovation in that space, that we should allow experimentation, that we should allow democracy to continue to evolve towards more democracy okay. uh, in this process. So um, we think that leaving that open is a real strength um, to what we've proposed. We've, we've got a, a little, little thing called the National Cabinet, uh, which has emerged during the pandemic, um, which has worked or not work, depending on who you talk to. Um, has the thinking in composing this model um, looked at 
the way in which a national cabinet might, you know, consider how this process of nomination might work? Well, one of the things that was really clear from our research is that when Australians were asked about different kinds of methods for appointing a head of state or choosing a head of state, um, one of the least popular approaches would be one where just the prime minister, for instance, you know, chose the head of state in the way that they currently choose the governor general, for instance, the Queen's representative. Um, so a, if we were simply to leave it in the hands of a national cabinet to come up with nominations, um, I suspect it would be just as unpopular um, as an approach that left it in the hands of the prime minister. And likewise, um, even from the feedback we've had initially since launching the model, a lot of people have been you know, concerned about, well, would this just leave it in the hands of a premier um, or just a government to be able to make that nomination on behalf of the state? And the answer is no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be able to leave it in, in just the hands of the premier or, um, or the governor, uh, sorry, or the, the government of that, of that state or, or territory. Um, this is a process that has to be endorsed by the parliament um, of that jurisdiction. And that means that we're going to get um, a much more robust uh, a set of nominees um, being put forward to the national ballot. If we go to the election process now, um, you've said that it would be a compulsory, you've got a preferential system. Um, uh, were there any other options considered in terms of the, ele the election? Look, we, um, for all of these matters, we looked at a whole range of different um, ways that um, we could go about um, bringing this model together. Um, certainly some people in the past have proposed, for instance, voluntary vote um, you know, for the role of head of state. Um, but our view was that um, we want a representative as a nation who can unite Australians, both in times of celebration and times like now in times of crisis. We want someone who's going to have that broad, widespread legitimacy to be able to play that representative role, that important ceremonial role um, in, uh, in Australia's constitution. And so our view is that it should work in the same way that House of Representative elections work, where it's compulsory voting and full preferential, so that um, we, the candidate is elected as head of state, um, has the broadest possible support. Uh, what the president will head of state, whatever you call them, head honcho, you know, big kahuna does is, I guess, the next thing. Um, what does your proposal suggest that the head of state does? So at the moment, the Governor-General and the Queen um, have really broad, wide-ranging um, powers in a whole range of aspects. The, the Prime Minister, for instance, isn't even mentioned in the Australian Constitution. The executive power that we associate with the Prime Minister and Cabinet is in the hands of the Governor-General uh, as the Queen's representative. Um, there's a lot of ambiguity um, because of that uh, in our Constitution between the current practice and expectation of what, uh, you know, what should be done um, and, be and between what our Constitution actually says, and the um, unwritten conventions um, that inform how that constitution is understood. What our reforms um, propose is that the head of state would act on, a, on the advice of the government um, on all matters, um, except for a few distinct um, matters in which they'd have discretion. And those roles are very much about maintaining our constitutional order and resolving political deadlock. 
um, when that might happen. So those powers specifically are to appoint the prime minister who has the support of the House of Representatives, which is the current understanding in terms of the convention around who our prime minister should be, that they wouldn't be able to remove a prime minister who maintains the confidence of the House of Representatives, which again is a, a current convention, that they would only be able to remove a prime minister if they lost that support of the House of Representatives and another person had that support instead. Mm -hmm. And they would also be able to test the numbers in the House of Representatives to summon the House of Representatives to um, check that the prime minister still had that support or determine who had um, the, the numbers um, in the parliament to govern. And finally, if no one could command the support needed to govern Australia, then that's the opportunity for the head of state to bring it back to the people so that the Australian people can decide who should govern our country. And so that's the full extent um, of the discretion of the head of state in, in our model. It's yep. um, very much aimed at making sure that we can um, overcome any sort of political impasse that might occur in the system, um, but also making sure that um, the prime minister uh, of Australia is the person it should be, and that is the person who commands the confidence of the House of Representatives. Yeah, from the point of view of accountability, I get to, that's the that's the final limb of the proposal. Uh, what does your proposal say in terms of the accountability of this individual that gets to be president? Yeah. So our proposal uses the same mechanism that's been in place for 120 years for members, uh, for high, justices of the High Court, which is that um, a motion um, on the basis of proved misbehaviour or incapacity would have to be passed by both houses of the Australian Parliament. Um, and if that happened, um, then the head of state could be removed um, from office. So that's a very high threshold. And it's a threshold that's never been reached um, for um, justices of the High Court. Um, there have been, um, a, a, it's a, it might sound like a, um, a low threshold, but in terms of meeting that threshold of proven misbehaviour and incapacity and a majority, an absolute majority of both houses of the Australian Parliament, um, that means that if there were a circumstance where the head of state was acting um, uh, improperly, um, um, wasn't uh, fulfilling the, the responsibilities of their office as they should, um, then we can remove a head of state from office. And importantly, that's a big change from um, the, the current situation where the Governor-General, as the constitutional umpire, can be removed by the Prime Minister for any reason at any time. So not only is our constitutional umpire appointed by the Prime Minister, but they can be sacked by the Prime Minister at any time. So there's, there's really no accountability for a Prime Minister um, in our current system because the moment that the Governor-General hints that they might be on its way, the Prime Minister can remove them and appoint someone else who's more favourable towards them. This makes sure that our constitutional umpire is independent of the Prime Minister by being elected of all Australians. And so then they can also be a representative who speaks for us all as well. One of the criticisms of the model that, that, that's been um, thrown around in conversation with me over the past couple of days is why do we need a why do we need a head of state? Why 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 is a head of state necessary? Why can't we simply you know cut the umbilical cord and the prime minister becomes a, a president? We would be the only country in the world 
where that was the case. Uh, the okay. um, South Africa gets about as close as you can to that, and um, it's slightly more dispersed um, than that. Uh, and um, and I think there are some important roles, as I was just describing, for a head of state um, to resolve that political impasse to make sure that the person who does have that majority support in the House of Representatives is Prime Minister. You know, there, there are ways and means, you know, around these things. But overall, you know, we've, through the consultation that we've done um, and the research that, you know, we've undertaken and, and the extensive um, deliberations that uh, we undertook with um, constitutional experts right across the country as well, um, there is an appetite um, to retain a role for a head of state um, in our in our Australian um, constitution. Um, people do want to see a representative who sits above politics, um, who can represent all Australians, who can unite us uh, as a country. And, uh, and so that's why um, uh, in terms of our proposal, in terms of our model, we've, we've talked about retaining that. But with a clear delineation of responsibilities so that we can remove a lot of the ambiguity that currently exists in the Australian constitution. Well, that's the perspective that you're putting forward is there's still a, a need for a separation of, of powers through levels of government. So the, the Prime Minister as President still answers to somebody in process. That's right. It's a decentralised um, decentralisation of, of the power in our constitution so that there's appropriate checks and balances in that. Okay. You've had some interesting reaction uh, from the former Prime Minister, uh, Paul Keating, today. How um, how are you taking that? Oh, look, it was a disappointing um, comment from the former Prime Minister. It's almost as if he went through his archives from the 1990s, dusted it off his talking points about direct election um, from back then, and then published those without even looking at what we were actually proposing. Almost nothing of what he's actually said has any bears any relation to the model that we've actually proposed, uh, and so um, it's uh, disappointing. Um, <laughs> the comments he's put out there are very disappointing because it doesn't contribute to the debate about the merits or otherwise um, of the proposal we've put forward, um, because it doesn't uh, relate or connect with what we've put forward at all. Will you be uh, sending him a, a nicely printed colour copy shortly, just to? Get him to read it. <laughs> Just perhaps to say, well, look, next time, perhaps when you're talking about the Australian choice model, uh, this might help you to uh, make a more informed you know, contribution to the debate. Um, where, where to from here, Sandy? I'm mindful of the time, but you've been generous, uh, generous today uh, with it. Uh, where to from now, you've released the model, you've, you've upset a former Prime Minister. <laughs> What's next on the cards? <laughs> well, look, we're going to be getting out there to make the case for this change right across the Australian community, um, both in terms of our grassroots activities, our volunteer teams getting out there, having conversations with people. We'll be knocking on every politician's door across the country as well to you know, win their support for this change. Um, and um, as of today, actually, we're launching an ad campaign as well to help get the, the word out there about what we're proposing. So um, we're going to be really ramping up our efforts um, over the coming years um, to make sure that um, when the opportunity arises, and we're going to be working as hard to make that opportunity, um, when the opportunity arises for Australians to next have a choice about whether we have an Australian head of state or whether we stick with 
um, the British king or queen in the United Kingdom, that Australians feel comfortable about making that decision, that they feel informed about what's being proposed um, and, um, and that they feel like they can take part in that decision with confidence. Sandy, uh, the model is already causing some interesting discourse. For those people listening to my podcast, uh, where can they go to find out more? Or what, what, what website should they look at? The best place to go to is republic.org.au. And on that website, you'll see links to our full policy documents. We've got the short form or long form, depending on how involved you want to get into, into the discussion. All the detail is up there, including draft constitutional amendments. Um, if you want to get into that level of, um, of uh, if you're that interested, um, which would be fantastic. Um, and, and otherwise, there's other content um, you know, for you to um, find out more about what we're proposing. And of course, um, if you want to stay up to date with the campaign, um, we'd love it if you could jump on our free email list um, by signing up on the, on the website there as well. So that was republic.org.au. Republic.org.au is where you find the Australian Republicans movement uh, proposals for an Australian republic known as the Australian Choice Model. Uh, Sandy Byer is the person I've been talking to. Sandy, thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much, Tom. Absolute pleasure and look forward to talking to you as the campaign progresses.